Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, Sasquatch Wildcard Casino in Blackhawk giving away a Tesla. Yeah, you heard me right. They're giving away a Tesla. And if you don't want it, you're going to get over $33,000 in cash instead. Grand prize drawings. Fourth of July weekend. The second, third, and fourth. You're going to love going up there, really loose slots. You're going to love their sports book, outstanding menu as well. Sasquatch and Wildcard, a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Mace, how you doing today? I'm all right. Family-owned casino that treats you like family. They are. Yeah. They're one of the few family-owned casinos up in Blackhawk. What does treating one like family kind of regard mean in the casino business, though? I think they treat people really well. Yeah. Even when you lose. No, they're really great up yeah. there, honest to goodness. Yeah. Um, they 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 treat every person who walks in that door like they are important. They don't look at them as a person who's going to make them money. They just want to treat them well, and, and I appreciate that when I go up there. Um, the, the the ownership group, uh, Ed and Shirley, they are fantastic. Fez, their marketing director, is is nothing short of amazing. We've been working together for a long time, and I really enjoy working with them. And I have gone there more than a few times, and their staff is super friendly. And that's why I say mm-hmm. they treat you like family. You go into a big corporate resort, it's a bunch of people who are just working jobs. Yes. When you go there, you can tell the people really care. That's why I like that's pretty, going up that's there. That's pretty cool. I mean, I... I'm not much of a casino enthusiast. That's why I didn't know what it meant to treat someone like family right. in a casino. Well, listen, there you go. I'm going to be in Vegas this week, and I'm going to be at the Venetian mm-hmm. and I, with a bunch of friends, and I can promise you no one's going to be treating me like family. Yeah. No one. <laughs> with that, uh, quick question. I'm Don't take this the wrong way. But if North Carolina would have won, would you be wearing a hat other than the Hartford Whalers today? Uh, I don't know. I really didn't give any thought to it when I grabbed the hat when I went out the door. Well, I was in a rush. Yeah. Well, anyway, I am sorry. I, I sound like there was a death in the family. Oh, I am. Fine. I am sorry for your loss. It was a great <laughs> run, uh, an absolute gut punch with blowing that lead. It's funny. Mia asked me if I wanted to watch the game. Uh-huh. I said, absolutely. And it was such a blowout that we turned it off at halftime. And ah. th- Oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. And so about 20, 20 minutes later or so, I checked the score. And I'm like, oh, my God, Kansas is up by five. Here's the funny thing. I said to her as we were watching the end of the game together where Kansas is up by three, and I took Kansas and I laid the points. And that kid stepped out of bounds. I said millions of dollars have potentially just changed hands. That might and, be a conservative estimate. Right. <laughs> however, however, I did win my first bet, first team to 15 points. And I thought I was going to mm-hmm. cruise when KU jumped out to a 7-0 lead. Ending. And suddenly... It is 13 to 12, and if North Carolina hits a three, I'm going to lose that one, too. All worked out for the best. Time now for the lead. Not for you. The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. 
Okay, Mesa, NFL.com's Dan Parr listed all of the needs for each team heading into the draft. This is what he wrote about the Broncos. Their biggest needs are safety, tight end, and running back. He said safety and tight end jump out as the biggest needs for Denver, but the best position for a third spot on the list is not so easy to determine. There's always room for more depth on the offensive line and cornerback, but lack of a running mate for Javante Williams shouldn't be overlooked. What do you think of his list? I think they're most likely to fill running back first, whether it's through the draft or resigning Melvin Gordon. Can I be more direct? Yes. This is why national guys should, yeah. should not be talking about local teams unless they truly know what they talk about. Because there is no way I would ever say safety, tight end, and running back as their top three needs. I would say pass rusher is number one because you have two guys with a history of injuries or missing time because of testing positive for marijuana. Uh, I like the three cornerbacks that they have, but I believe they need more depth there. Caden Stearns is going to be the starter. And oh, by the way, for those dreaming of bringing in Tyron Matthew, that is not going to happen. He's going to go to the highest bidder. He's going to get between 10 and 12 million a year. The Broncos are not in the running despite any reports that you might have read Matthew who was in New Orleans today but he's from that area visited with the Saints he is going to the highest bidder he is not taking a Russell Wilson discount sounds like something I said earlier today he's not there are a lot of fans who there, there's a lot of fans out there who think oh sh, you know shiny toy out there must have right yeah you want him regard well, but, 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 the, but this isn't fantasy football and the other thing is George Payton is not going to be running this team like Les Snead and uh, Mickey Loomis now, he did make a less need like move in terms of trading draft picks for a quarterback. Different. But in terms of cap management, I don't think you're going to see this team under George Payton function, for example, the way the Saints have or the way the Rams have, which is going to, you know, the, which leads to a crippling, ca- crippling cap situation down the line a lot of potential wasted debt money that's not the, i don't think peyton's going to operate in those in that manner and you, that would preclude bringing in tyron matthew because that would probably be a backloaded contract you brought up a really good point a couple of weeks ago speaking specifically about the tight end position when we brought up albert okawabenam and what nathaniel hackett said about him at the owners meetings that uh, and i'm paraphrasing here he has a lot to learn and there's certain things that he needs to do I don't think this is an offense that's going to be passing a lot to the tight ends. Mm -hmm. I think Noah Fant, in a lot of ways, was expendable. I think they want a blocking tight end and a guy who has the ability to catch the ball, and I think they have both guys. Could they use more depth? Yes. Do I think they will eventually draft the tight end? Probably. Will they draft a running back? Probably. Tight end, or excuse me, safety? I think there's probably a chance of that. But those high picks, I believe, are going to go to pass rushers, cornerback, and probably offensive line and defensive mm-hmm. line, not safety, tight end, or running back. Dan, you just pulled down your pants in front of everybody nationally showing Broncos fans you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Congratulations. Where did you find it? It was on NFL.com? Yeah. Okay, because I didn't, I didn't, I, I, you didn't have the link in there, so I couldn't find it. You know what? I need to do a better job of putting in the link. It's something that I rarely ever do, but um, I, I should have put that in there. But that's what he wrote. I'm not making it up. Yeah. Well, kind of. I, I, I don't I don't believe that you did make it up. I didn't. I just am like, I, I 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I just was trying to find it, and, and I just went through a couple of, of headlines that might have been. I'm like, okay, heck with this. We'll just talk about it. You know what's funny? <laughs> you, you know what's kind of interesting about the draft for, for the Broncos? For all the draft capital they gave up mm-hmm. for Russell Wilson, outside the first round, they have a pick in every round. Yeah, they have two in the third, too. Right. They have a pick in every it's round. A, it's actually next year right now where they're falling short because they don't pick until the third round. Right. So one of the things that I think we're going to probably discuss more as we get into the draft is... Do we are have there, to? We will. Yes, we will. Well, that's your, that, that's your thing. Okay. That's your Christmas. No. I No, but you didn't even give me a chance to finish. You were just cutting me off at the pass. Um, <laughs> do they... Do they make trades to acquire picks next year? Because a common algorithm of most trade calculations of picks for picks is that picks next year are valued less than right. picks this year. And and they may be able to use that to their advantage. So how, uh, do, how do they make that happen? I mean, it, it can be as simple as... Let's say they're they're sitting at pick sixty four, and then they have their two third round picks. They might be able to trade that second round pick this year for a second round pick next year that is likely to be higher. I mean, unless the team you're trading with goes to the Super Bowl, it will be higher. So wait, then they wouldn't have a pick in the opening two rounds this year, and then they, and then get like a, a a middle round pick, like a fourth round pick uh, later to to keep the same number of picks that they have. But what you're doing, what you're doing is taking advantage of the urgency of the moment. Teams, when they make draft trades, they become prisoners of the moment. Say, okay, oh, we have to get this guy. Thus, in trade in trade value charts, picks in the following year, equivalent picks are valued less than picks in this in this year's draft at this moment. And I think that urgency is something the Broncos can use to their advantage to build their draft capital for. Next year. Well, let's make it simple. Could they trade a third round pick this year for a second rounder next year? Potentially, it's been done. Then do it. Then you have a pick in every round. And I think the way to go about it is instead except of, the first. Well, the, the way to go about it is not view it in terms of okay, this year's draft is worth more than next year's draft. What you say is these picks are equal, and if we can turn pick sixty four into any higher pick next year, then you do it. Well, here. I think in a second. Here. This is, this is a question that I asked to George Payton at the Russell Wilson press conference. What I said to him was, essentially, the best general managers think two to three years out. I said to him, when you looked at the landscape of potential quarterbacks who could be available for trade, is that why you decided not to take Justin Fields? With that, you would know this better than I would. And a lot of this depends on position as much as anything else. Next year's draft, the top two picks will be quarterbacks. It'll mm-hmm. be the kid out of Alabama, and it'll be Bryce the kid, and it'll be the kid out of Ohio State. So we know at the top of the draft, you have two franchise quarterbacks. As far as the depth of say defensive end next year, I don't know if it's stronger this year or next year. If it is stronger next year in terms of depth then maybe you take that third rounder and you try and parlay that into a second rounder for next year but if this year's draft is stronger for defensive end and not as strong next year then maybe that isn't a move that you want to make you have a little you 
you have a little bit of intel on that. The problem is it's easier to kind of project the top of the draft than when you go further down. Yo, well, second, because, third round, you're not that far down. Yeah. Fifth, sixth, seventh round, you're pretty far but down. Th- but, the thing, but the thing is, all it, all it takes for any position to go way up or way down are a couple of guys flashing and then working their way up and then coming out unexpectedly or a couple of guys uh, stalling in their development and saying, you know what, I'm going to go back for the 20, I'm going to go back for the 2023 season. That's so it's something that they have in, in mind. Certainly they've got scouting reports to two or three years out, but in terms of the calculus of, of wanting to have 10 draft picks a year, which is something that George Payton has emphasized and says that he wants to have there. There's some, there's a little bit of work to do this year because they're sitting on nine picks right now, but there's a lot of work to do next year where they don't have first and second round picks. If they're going to meet that number. And that's one of the reasons why I expect the Broncos to be very active trade wise on the two days of the draft coming up, coming up after the break. Some will argue the Raiders in terms of offensive talent and skill position players have the best offense potentially, not only in the AFC West, but maybe in football. But does that mean Derek Carr is their quarterback of the future? Josh McDaniels said something very interesting about that. And we'll talk about it next. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public for your next project this summer, whether it's a deck or a fence or anything else, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. All right, you were at the uh, owners' meetings last week, and all the coaches spoke to the media, or most of them, I should say. Josh McDaniels, new head coach of the Raiders, certainly did that. And he talked about looking at a quarterback in the draft in order to develop. Now, this shouldn't really come as a surprise because when Josh McDaniels was with the Patriots, uh, Bill Belichick did that quite a bit. Um, It's Felt like every two or three years they would add a quarterback. Guys like Ryan Mallett, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, Jared Stidham. This is what he had to say. What we'd like to do is get into a cycle where we find people that we bring in and we can train, we can develop. Great thing for a quarterback is to have time in a system, continue development year after year. And again, this seems to mirror the Patriots. Do you think that Derek Carr is potentially in danger of losing his job? knowing that Devontae Adams bought a house next door to Derek Carr in Vegas. I don't think he is. I think this is just about the doing the old Patriot thing 
of always having some somebody that they're developing and then if Derek Carr something if if he did decline then you've got someone in relief and if he does continue to do well especially with Devontae Adams then you simply do what the Patriots did with Jimmy Garoppolo for example or Jacoby Brissett and uh, and offload him for decent price well we have seen Josh McDaniels in the past lose his marbles we have. more than a few times specifically when he started with the Broncos and he basically tore up Jay Cutler to his face along, I believe, with his agent in the room. And from what I understand, Cutler walked out of the room and said, get me the hell out of here. With that, Carr is in the final year of his contract yep. saying, Derek's going to have to make a decision about what's best for him, and we have to do what's best for the team. There will be a sweet spot in there, and hopefully everybody will want it to work out. So, what does this say about what the Raiders are willing to pay Carr? Because I can tell you right now, with all that offense around him, in terms of skilled position players, with Darren Waller and Renfro and Devontae Adams and uh, Josh Jacobs, he's going to have a hell of a year, more than likely. You'd think so. And the thing the thing is, if he does well, then the uh, the number that has been thrown around, because they have talked about an extension with Derek Carr in recent weeks. The number being thrown around most often is about $40 million a year. Well, you mentioned the skill talent. He he balls out. He has a great year, right? Well, please don't tell me McDaniels is going to say, well, it was my system and all the talent I put around you. But what, what do you think Carr would ask for if he did have an MVP caliber season? More than forty million, right? He would ask to be the highest paid player in in the league. So north of fifty million dollars, you'd have to be going beyond the Aaron Rodgers contract in terms of per year value. You know right what, now, that's it. You know what would happen? What franchise tag? Yep, and then a second franchise tag. You got it. <laughs> I mean, which makes nobody happy, but well, um, he's making money. But Kirk Cousins has has built a pretty good bank account on one year deals, hasn't he? He and had, then a he guaranteed two, deal. He had two franchise tags, but that's sort. But then right after that, he left. Right, and then he got a guaranteed deal for ninety million dollars. But everybody wants security, and they want that big upfront money. But it would not surprise me at all if Derek Carr gets the franchise. Now tag. here's the thing: he let's say they're talking about forty million dollars a year, and he says he wants more. You know what that franchise tag is for next year projected to be? Probably forty-four. Nope. Right now, the the franchise tag, according to Over the Cap, projected at thirty one point four nine seven million. Isn't it the top five highest paid guys at the position? The average of it, yes. Yes, and who are the? We have Aaron Rodgers in there, right? Patrick Mahomes is in there. They're both north of forty. Who else is north of forty? Um, Matt Stafford, Josh Allen, and where uh, they Sean Watson. Where they they're, they're oh, all geez. forty. Yeah. Okay, so how could it be thirty one? I'm just I'm reading it off their. I don't. Oh, I'm reading it literally off their website. Whose website? Overthecap.com, like I said. Well, that doesn't make any sense if it's the average of the top five. Those numbers don't add up. Well, no, because it, but it's also calculated by the rate of the increase of salary cap. Okay. I think it's one. It, it, maybe it's one of those things where whatever's lower. So Yeah, I, I don't know how the math works out, but it, the new math to me is if every guy's making over 40, the average is going to be in the 40s. Right, but I'm just looking to see if maybe it's not just that. There's another clause in there. 
because you think they would know you think that they would know that right i don't know yeah because right now i mean that that projection is right below is right now at th- just under 31.5 million well i don't know how that makes sense oh listen at the end of the day they might very well be right mm-hmm. but not everybody's right all the time mm-hmm. yeah i mean you are but i'm not and you remind me of that all the time I, I mean, how do those numbers add up to you? Are we are we taking into account um, signing bonus, or are we taking into account overall value? It's 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 the it's the uh, I think it's based on the uh, on the salary of it, and or I thought it was like ba- so I thought it was based you're, on you're the average against the cap. I thought it was based on the average per year va- per year value of the contract. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, like I said, I'm just quoting them here. Yeah. Well. For Derek Carr, he is set up beautifully to have a huge year. And for McDaniel saying, and he's not wrong, we need to find a sweet spot. At the end of the day, the, the the Raiders always have a fallback if they need it. If spot rack is right or whoever, whoever, over you're, the cap, over the cap, whoever you're reading from, if they're right, and it's $31 million, that's a steal. Yes. An absolute steal. And that would actually... I mean, that wouldn't even make and that it... Would, and that, in that point, that would actually put pressure on Cardick to get a deal done at around $40 million, to, to take to take a Raiders offer if it were around $40 because he'd be walking away from money. Yeah, I, I, for me, I'll look at another website to see if that's right. Um, that's the only projection I've seen for 2023. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've looked. Well, I mean... Russell Wilson's going to want a new contract too, right? Yes. He might get factored into that too. You, th- you think Russell Wilson's getting a new contract before the season starts? No. I don't. I think that's a matter for new ownership, and I think you'll be talking about the new ownership maybe just having taken over the Broncos when the season starts. That's something I don't think happens before then. It's not. I. I don't. I don't see it being something that's going to be a priority right now with everything else that's on the, that's on the plate in regards to a sale of the team. I think if it were normal circumstances, absolutely, you'd be talking about an extension. But the thing is, you've got this year and you've got next year. You've got time, and and surely Wilson understood the situation when he agreed to a trade to Denver. That all right, the extension might not happen immediately just because of all these other factors that are in play beyond football. Right. So, all right. Well, listen, we need to talk about this because it was the national championship game. And I know it was your team that wound up on the wrong side of it with that. And I'll ask you specifically, will beating Duke in the national semifinal game override. And I hate to say this to your face, but I would say this to anybody with that override blowing the biggest lead in national championship history. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. 
Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. All right, tough loss yesterday for your Tar Heels. Kansas wins the national championship as Kansas rallies with the biggest deficit in national championship game history. Uh, You and I talked about it uh, last week, beating Duke. To you was a very, very big deal. Um, was beating Duke for the national semifinal, the rival for North Carolina. Does that override? And, and I, I got to tell you something. Yesterday when we were on the show, I was jabbing you and ribbing you and honestly having a pretty good time doing it. Yeah, Today, I don't feel <laughs> I, I don't feel like I even want to go anywhere near there because I know what it's like to want so desperately for your team to win. So please take it in the vein. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just doing a radio show here, but you just happen to be the North Carolina fan. Yeah. With that, will beating Duke in the national semifinals override blowing the biggest lead in national championship game history? It's the greatest consolation prize in the history of consolation prizes. That's what it is. As in, as painful it is to, as it is to lose that lead, First of all, I'm kind of, I'm rational enough to know why they lost that lead. It was a it was a, t- a team that was seeded eighth, playing better than that, no doubt. But it was also a team that had basically no depth, and playing against a Kansas team that was deep and talented. And it looked to me in that second half, it just looked like a car that had run out of gas. How and unfortunately it- for them, it was it ran out of gas with the finish line in sight. They also faced a Kansas team like most mid-majors that go deep in the tournament, a Kansas team that was loaded with veterans, loaded with upperclassmen. Well, I mean, three of the five starters for Carolina were juniors, seniors, or in the case of Brady Mack, graduate transfer. Right. But the thing is, Kansas's depth included guys who were upperclassmen. I I don't want to dig too deep into North Carolina basketball because mm-hmm. quite frankly the Denver audience probably doesn't care that much about it but I think it's a fair question to ask how does a school like North Carolina a blue blood a perennial contender every year mm-hmm. that can generally speaking Hubert Davis or most coaches for North Carolina can walk into any door and be a finalist for almost any player in the country mm-hmm. and how do they have almost no depth uh well let's see doesn't make any sense to me let's see Dawson Garcia who was starting for them earlier this year and was another uh, big man he was an like like Brady Mack a stretch four he left the team in January because of an illness in the family okay Anthony Harris who was their primary backup guard has suffered a series of injuries including one earlier this year so basically oh there you go they went from and then they they were operating with an eight man rotation, which is fairly you know, which is like a lot of other teams, and then it was down to basically uh, one or two somewhat useful backups, and either and it was kind of depending on the matchup. Earlier in the tournament was Dontrez Styles last last night was Puff Johnson having the game of his life, so that you had you had you had that. Even so, 
one thing that Hubert Davis did differently than Roy Williams, one thing that Williams all, and Dean Smith always tried to do was intentionally go deep on the bench and play guy and and play guys so you had that depth. They made a decision, and this came right around the time they were losing guys to injuries and, and having to leave the team and whatever, that for this team to do anything, they just had to they pick their five and run and, and run with them. And it almost I mean again, it almost worked. It almost worked. Is but if but it was always susceptible to being in foul trouble. It nearly cost them against Baylor when they had met one player get ejected, Brady Manick, Caleb Love foul out, and they blew remember they blew a twenty five point lead in that game and the the exposure of the lack of depth was the biggest reason why they blew that game. So can, can you compare blowing this lead to some of the most famous blown leads of all time? Falcons Patriots Super Bowl twenty eight to three, Yankees up three nothing in the ALCS, and the Red Sox storm back and win four in a row. How about the Clippers against the Nuggets in the playoffs, in which they had a huge lead, but then again that was not for the national championship. I'd say the the surprise is that no one had ever come back from a sixteen point deficit in the national championship before. It's a significant comeback, but it's not. Oh my God! Like it's like it's a, there's a difference between coming back from like 16 down and 25 down, right? Sure. There, it's harder uh, to score a touchdown than a bucket. Yeah, I would say because of that, I'm not. I don't think it goes in the category of three nothing in a series or 28 three in a football game. It's probably more along the lines of three one in a series where. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen on occasion. Whereas the blowing a 28-3 lead in football happens next to never. I, I got to tell you something. I have watched a lot of commentary today and listened to a lot of commentary today. And if the name on the front of the jersey is not mm-hmm. North Carolina, okay, mm-hmm. whoever Kansas would have beaten would have been hammered today. North Carolina in the court of public opinion, is catching such a break. Meaning, what I'm hearing today is, did Kansas really come back, or did North Carolina run out of gas? Well, look at what North Carolina did in the tournament. They beat a one seed, and they beat a two seed, and they went to the final as an eight seed. What a great job Hubert Davis did. They really had no depth. They are getting all of those things are true. They and, are. They and oh, by the way, no eight seed has won at all since Villanova. Villanova. I mean, all I'm and, saying, and if you're an eight, look, if you're an eight seed, you're an eight seed for a reason, right? I get it. However, what I'm saying is every and this is please don't personalize this. I'm not. Don't I'm just, be North Carolina basketball. No, I'm fan pointing here. out facts. I'm. You know what? Those are all facts. Yeah. They are all facts. But you know what? Facts can also be excuses. They could be true, but it doesn't mean it's not. Hold on. There are excuses and there are reasons. What I gave you were reasons. They are reasons. But at the end of the day, no one's talking about them blowing the biggest lead in the national championship because there's a lot of respect for Hubert Davis. There's a lot of respect for the North Carolina program. Kansas is a fantastic program. All of those things are true. So what we do is we gloss over it instead of looking at it, which is a fact. Any, I told you 
Then at halftime, I turned off the game. I'm thinking there's no way Kansas is coming back. And oh, by the way. I might blame you then. Oh, by the (laughs) way, you want to talk about a sloppy game. That was hardly, that game was hardly aesthetically pleasing. Well, both like Kansas couldn't Neither shoot. Neither team. Kansas couldn't shoot in the Neither first half. Team. Carolina couldn't shoot I'm in the second you. half. Neither team. This was not an instant classic because of how sloppy the game was. The truth is that Kansas probably played better against Villanova. Yes. And Carolina definitely played better against Duke. I will ask. And I would say that yep. Duke on Saturday played better than either of those teams did on Monday. If Duke had played at its its level on Saturday on Monday night, they would have won by double digits. We have 30 seconds left, Danny. I would like you to start us off. What is the biggest story out of this NCAA tournament? St. Peter's run, North Carolina beating Duke, or the team that won the national championship? And I'm not emphasizing Kansas because that should be your answer. The biggest story is St. Peter's. Yes, only 15 seed to ever go to the Elite Eight. Uh, and look, like four years but, four years ago, to kind of illuminate Danny's point, the year that Villanova beat Michigan, it was the same thing. It was UMBC was the biggest story. The banner will fly forever in Lawrence because they're the champs. What will we remember five years from now? St. Peter's. St. Peter's. St. Peter's over North Carolina beating Duke in Mike Krzyzewski's final game. I think it's a different storyline there. I it think is. that's more no tied question. to Coach K's storyline right. and the end of his career than this March Madness. This March Madness is about St. Peter's. I mean, one of the interesting things on that Friday night of the regional semifinals, you had St. Peter's playing Purdue and then you had Carolina playing UCLA. A couple of blue blood programs in the right. nightcap, right? Right. You know which game got more viewers? St. Peter's and Purdue. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance just in case you missed it? Colorado Avalanche in Pittsburgh taking on the Penguins for the second time in just four days. Uh, They won on Saturday by a narrow margin. We'll see if they can uh, get the win again tonight. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. She's my type of hype and I can't stand what brothers tell me that I should quit chasing and look for something better. But the smile that she shows makes me a goat. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us. SmileEyesports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I've been telling you about this for a couple of months. I just made a great decision. That was going to see my friend Dr. McCracken at Denver Hair Surgery. Dr. McCracken, how are you, my friend? Good, thanks. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. I remember when I walked into your office for the first time, I said, man, I've had two of these done already to these hair transplants done before of a big scar on the back of my head. Please tell me you're going to do something differently. And you said you were going to do something differently. Explain to our listeners and our viewers what you did differently. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, we use follicular unit extraction where you had had the big strip cut out of the back of your head in the past. We were able to individually 
extract follicles so we didn't have to make that big incision that we have to close with staples and sutures and cause that big scar in the back of your head. But I think the other thing, most importantly, was um, the technique that we used in placing the implants. And when I say that, what I mean is we were very careful to place them where they were most needed and not just uh, shotgun and spread the grafts everywhere throughout your head so that you get very little density throughout, but we were able to focus on the area up front, which is the most important area, and give you good density where it really matters the most. Listen, I've said this numerous times on the air. There was literally no pain involved. Forget about pain. There was honestly no discomfort at all post-op. How did it happen that way? <laughs> well, thank you very much for, uh, for saying that. Um, I think that um, being very careful with how we approach the patients and some of the techniques that we use to keep things comfortable, uh, both medications and the way that we numb things up in the back um, without taking time to, to bore you with all the details. But I think we really kind of developed a technique of getting the back of the head numb to keep you really comfortable throughout the procedure. And, uh, again, using this follicular unit extraction where we're making tiny little punches in the back of the head to take these individual follicles out um, doesn't cause the kind of pain that you get when you have to make that huge incision all the way across the back. And I'll be honest with you. People are probably saying, well, Eric, you're just saying that because Dr. McCracken's on the phone. That That is not true. There was zero discomfort compared to what I went through before, which really sucked. Th this was nothing. This was a nothing burger. This was so, so easy. Now, people want to hear, okay, Eric, it was painless. Get it. Yada, yada, yada. Tell me about the results. What are the results going to be, and how fast do they happen, Dr. McCracken? Yeah, and I'd love to see. I haven't seen you in a little while. I you're, want to see your results. You're going to see me tomorrow. You don't even know I'm on oh, your really? You don't even know I'm on your calendar? When, when you look at me, when you look at me, I'm going to look like a guy with a full head. Well, I'm not going to look like a full head of hair. That's not true. But you know, we have an appointment at 940. Don't you check your calendar? Uh, I haven't yet. I'll check as soon as we get off, though. Okay, I promise. I know Mame uh, is very excited to see me. You, on the other hand, you just hurt my feelings. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'll make it up to you, okay? Okay, you'll uh, have a sucker anyway. for me when I when I leave the office, like a dum-dum. <laughs> <laughs> so results, usually uh, what happens is we put these follicles in, and they have hairs in them, but the hairs tend to fall out after we move them around. And it takes anywhere from six months up to even a year to get your final results. Most guys start to see improvement after a few months, and six months start to look pretty good. But it really takes a year to get the full effect of this procedure. All right. Now, if you mentioned you heard this ad, if you heard this today, or if you hear this anytime on the show, radio, or online, you're going to save 500 bucks. How do people find you? How do they get a hold of you to do what I did? And I'm so glad I did. Yeah, the best thing to do is you can just look, up, look us up online. It's uh, denverhairsurgery.com. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't forget. I look forward to it. Okay. Thank you so much. See you, Dr. McCracken. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfields Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfields has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two-for-one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. 
presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, the Colorado Avalanche got a nice win at home over the weekend, beating Pittsburgh 3-2 on Saturday. Tonight, they face the Penguins again, this time on their turf, 5 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time. Does either team gain an advantage playing two games in four days? I mean, it's the deeper team would seem to have the advantage there. and I mean... The Avs are dealing with some injuries, but they've been able to overcome them. So I'd say if anybody has a little bit of an advantage, I'd say the Avs. If I read this correctly, Vegas is favoring the Penguins. And we're talking about the Correct. Col- we're co- talking about the Colorado Avalanche, who have basically bulldozed everybody this season. That's saying something, don't you think? Yeah, it's home ice. The, yep. the Penguins are one of the better teams in yep. the East. But, yep. but yeah, that's, uh, that's the way Vegas has it right now. They're not one of the top two teams in the East. Because that's, that's Florida and Tampa. Just saying. Fair point. You don't set the odds. Do you, do I don't. You, do, do I you don't. set the odds? They don't ask me. If they I, asked me, I would be a rich man. Yeah, because you, <laughs> you, that'd be point shaving right there. They would. I think there's probably laws against that. Uh, just in case you missed it, with the NCAA tournament now in the rear view, you guys just talked last segment at length about the storylines and the championship game. NBA mock draft season is upon us. SB Nation has Paulo Bancaro of Duke going number one, Chet Holmgren of Gonzaga going number two, Jabari Smith Jr. from Auburn going number three, and the first guard off the board, Purdue's Jaden Ivey at number four. Is there any specific player that has stood out to you in March Madness that you think is an NBA play, NBA ready player? Well, even though Duke fell short, Bancaro's ability to kind of stretch to, to to hit the to hit the three and and really improve as an outside shooter over the season, I think that was sort of the that was kind of the fi- the final piece of the puzzle. I think uh, kind of looking at, at how the turn the tournament went. Did you say hey, Jaden Ivey number four? Correct. Going going to Oklahoma City. Yep. Even though Purdue was out in the Sweet 16, I thought he made a really nice impression the first couple of rounds, and also made a good impression down the stretch for Purdue as well. I'm not surprised that they've got him in the t- in the top in the top four right now. Then con- conversely, someone like Johnny Davis of Wisconsin had an injury at the wrong time, and he is declared for the draft. But you see him kind of popping up around nine to thirteen, and he's somebody who could add a. I think could have moved up with a big run. Here's the deal with me. I don't care who's one, who's two, who's five, who's ten. Are there franchise players in this draft? Because that's all that really matters. Not a slam dunk. Bancaro should be very good. Right. I'm not sure. Like, I mean, right now, Orlando is going to have the highest percentage chance of getting the number one overall pick. Right. Bancaro is very good. He will help them. He's not transformative at this moment. I agree. This is not, although the last transformative guy top of the draft we were talking about was Zion Williamson back right. in 2019, and he and he can't stay John healthy. Mor- How about John Morant? Yeah, best player out of that draft so far, don't right. you think? Right, definitely well, second pick in the draft. Yeah, I don't. Did anybody project him to be this good? No, no. Yeah. Let's let's be honest. But just like no one projected Jokic to be this good, right? I did. I did. Yeah, yeah, you did not. 
Oh, you don't remember me saying that all those years ago? Yeah, right. When the when the Nuggets drafted him in the second round while they were running a Taco Bell commercial on the broadcast. I said, is this a joke, Er? <laughs> that was Mountain High uh, Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk in any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. Also, their sales staff is really what makes Mountain High Appliance great. They have great product. Obviously, they can get you something to fit your budget, and they can help you redesign a whole kitchen. But you really want to work with people who know what they're talking about. When you make a purchase like this, you're going to have a lot of questions. They want to get you into what you need. You're not going to get that from the big box stores. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, I am on the wrong set of show notes. I just pulled up yesterday's. Well, yesterday's was it was a very good show. Can okay, I, but I help you? Okay, but I'm but I'm here now. I'm I'm back at it. Okay. So I was thinking about this today. Jokic is on pace to win his second consecutive MVP. Peyton Manning in 2013 had one of the greatest seasons by a quarterback of all time. Terrell Davis, three-year run, the greatest by any running back in NFL history. All of them playing in Denver. Who's been the best over the course of a year or two of those three guys? That's next. <laughs> 